to Catch Outdoors, presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network at waypointtv.com. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis, reporting to listeners each week from the fabulous Florida Keys. This podcast is centered around the great outdoors. It includes topics on fishing, boating, beaching, bicycling, hiking, camping, etc., etc. So kick back for the next 40 minutes or so, get a taste of Florida, and perhaps a few other distant outdoor locations. This week's episode is number 74, titled The Mixed Bag. (laughs) Just a creative name for a bit of everything this time around. And my way of getting away from, uh, getting away with, I should say, rambling uh, commentary also helps me clean out my notebook. I I have a little notebook by my desk. Little ideas pop up, I write them down. If they're not long enough to make an entire podcast out of, well, then it goes into that other pile. So today is the other pile. (laughs) Help me clean that notebook out. But for some announcements, a quick update about the rebuilding of my old stomping grounds in Southwest Florida. That would namely be Sanibel Island, Pine Island, Fort Myers Beach, that area. Um, They're doing pretty good. It's getting better. Um, The beaches have opened in a couple of places you want to check before you go. Some of the um, resort-type areas have reopened. It's very limited, I will say that. Captiva is actually doing a whole lot better than Sanibel is, so if you're just if you're busting a gut to do the island thing, that might be where you want to go. Uh, the destruction on Sanibel will probably freak you out when you see it. Um, it ain't pretty, but it's, uh, but it's definitely getting better. Got to put a positive light on this because it is getting better. Uh, fishing has been pretty good around the area. There has been some red tide reported. For those of you that aren't familiar with what that is, that is a little microorganism that shows up every now and then, especially when there's an enormous flood of fresh water. Um, of course, that the hurricane stirred the bottom up. There are all kinds of things that play into red tide. So they are getting some red tide reports at certain areas along the Sanibel, Fort Myers, Fort Myers Beach areas, uh, Pine Island. You need to check if you're going to stay. I mean, I mean, just do it. You can go online and do red tide report. You put that in for Southwest Florida. It'll pop right up, complete with a map and everything. Um, haven't heard much else about that. Offshore apparently has been pretty good from what I understand. Uh, Fort Myers Beach is slowly coming back. Fort Myers Beach is, um, they took it on the chin. So just so you know, um, some areas are doing pretty well. Some areas are struggling. The biggest problem right now is governmental type stuff. Um, they're, they're fighting with insurance companies and FEMA and all kinds of things right now. So you want to double check before you go. Uh, but if you're hell-bent on going, you can. Uh, there are places to stay, but you're going to have to book way early. And I'll clue you, there's not a lot on the beach side, and there's not a lot close to the beach. Um, most of the hotel rooms are booked all the way out to I-75, so which is, what, four, five, six miles away from the beaches uh, as you drive in. So just be aware of that. And uh, I wish them the best. I'm uh, just absolutely destroys me uh, having seen pictures and stuff and of course i've been over there for appointments and it's uh, it's better but it ain't great let's put it that way uh coming up soon here in the florida keys the upper keys rotary gigantic nautical flea market returns to founders park in ala Mirada in february uh the 25th and 26th that's next weekend uh, there'll be 18, yes, 18 food trucks <laughs> spread around the park. Yeah, you'll find bargains on everything nautical, including clothing, fishing, diving gear, boats, motors, you name it. It's. Uh, I have not been to this one. I have been to nautical flea markets all around Florida. This will be the first time for me, but I have been told this is one of the best in the entire state, so I'm really looking forward to this. It's just fun to browse. Gates open Saturday at 8 a.m. and Sunday at 9. Uh, pro tip. 
tip, park at Coral Shores High School and ride the free shuttle. If you get to the thing really early, you can probably find parking in the park, but this the park is going to be full this time. It's not like a festival that's tucked away in a corner in the back. It's going to be the whole daggone park, so parking is going to be an issue. Uh, it might be best to take the, uh, the shuttle in. And of course, I'll report on it next week and let you know how it went. Sandbar Books, located in Tavernier in the Florida Keys, is now carrying all my books. Thank you all very much. If you're in the area visiting or fishing, make sure to stop by and give this bookstore a look-see. You can also check them out at sandbarbookstore.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. You can also pick up my books at 239 Flies in Bonita Beach. That's right off of Bonita Beach Road. Uh, 41 and Benita Beach Road. Um, it's on the southwest coast of Florida, sorry. And at Lear's Economy Tackle in North Fort Myers. And yes, you can order them from Amazon Kindle. Now on to episode 74, The Mixed Bag. In the past, I've done a few podcasts with mixed content. Um, hodgepodge. I got a different name. You go back and look at the list. I can't believe I'm on number 74. It's pretty crazy. Anyway, I go back and look at the list. You'll find the hodgepodge ones and ones that are like this. I just decided to re- rename it the mixed bag. Um, it's mixed content. Uh, it usually happens when I'm fresh out of ideas or I've got a bunch of little ideas written down that aren't going to make enough for a podcast. So, and then I just put them all together. It, you could say it's kind of like writer's block, maybe. I just I just I can't come up with a subject that I find interesting. And for me to talk about it, I want it to be interesting first and then and then deliver it to you. So there's there's these times when you just go, no, I can't do that. But anyway, that's where the mixed bag comes from. So here comes a podcast of multiple short subjects. Um Let's start with seasonal traffic. Um, I've experienced it in several locations over the past week, so I just thought I'd have to talk about it. Um, We'll start right here in Key Largo. There's one road, (laughs) US-1. That's it, man. Be nice. Please believe um, Miami in Miami. Fort Lauderdale in Fort Lauderdale. Please, please leave your cities up the road when you get down to US-1 and calm down. Um, Drive nice. Be nice. Slow down. Obey the speed limits. Most of us drive about five over. That's okay, but don't drive 20 over unless you like getting tickets. And the tickets are huge, by the way. Um, a lot of lane switching. We have had two fatalities down here in the last in the last week and a half. So, you know, it's and that's not good on a little bitty road. It's, actually, it's ridiculous is what it is that you would even have a fatality. Um, number one, going too fast, bobbing and weaving in and out of traffic. Uh, illegal turns coming off the highway into parking lots and out of parking lots into traffic. And just insanity goes on. So please, please slow down and watch out what you're doing for the sake of everybody down here. Because most everybody down here is, is having a good time. They're here for vacation. They're here to you know go fish and hang out and uh, relax. And the last thing they need is to be run over in a traffic accident. So Southwest Florida. <laughs> I can talk quite a bit about that. My 20 years or so spent there. Um, it's a it's a disaster right now. Not from just the hurricane. It is a disaster. There are a jillion people in town. I guess it's a combination of people trying to their best to get their vacations in for the winter and get escape winter from up north. Um, they have a, a problem with only two main roads and way more people than the Florida Keys. Uh, there's US 41 that runs north and south, and that's I 75 runs north and south. If one has an accident, the other one backs up, uh, vice versa, and 
if both of them are down due to accidents, it's just an absolute mess. Uh, probably the biggest problem is a lot of tourists um, and snowbirds like to go out early in the morning at the same time people are trying to get to work. Don't do that. If you're a tourist or you're a snowbird, sit in the house, which just for a little while, 8.30, 9 o'clock, then go. I know you're dying to get out there at the crack of dawn. Don't do that. Give the, give the worker bees a chance to get to work. That would help immensely. Um, uh, oh, a hint for those towing boats or doing that sort of thing in that particular area. I discovered that the slow lane is the absolute best place to, place to be. You'll go, you'll go faster. Um, when I used to come home from the beach, I would come up and uh, eventually get to US 41, you know, Highway 41, and try to make my way home up 41. I discovered if I stayed way over in the right lane towing the boat, I really had much less problems in the middle and the fast lane. The fast lane was the slowest lane, um, and people that live there will attest to this. So, And also, I'm just trying to stay out of everybody's way because I'm towing a boat, and I need plenty of room to stop if you pull out in front of me. So uh, that's the name of that game. So again, be courteous and watch out what you're doing and, you know. I know you're lost half the time. It's okay. Um, East Coast, Palm Beach County, south to Miami-Dade County. Um, I would suggest you put on um, armor and uh, a helmet and um, drive aggressively. Because <laughs> everybody else does. You're going to have to keep up. You're going to get run over. Um, oh, it's big city driving at its finest. And, of course, when it comes to a screeching halt, which it did on my last trip coming back, it took me, instead of three hours coming back from a doctor's appointment in Fort Myers, it took me five. And two hours extra of that was spent on the turnpike south just trying to get down here to the Keys. So. Um, but when it stops, it really, really stops. Um, it's just it's, and it's winter. They have winter guests just like everybody else does. People come down to Fort Lauderdale, Miami to escape the cold. Um, but they do drive like maniacs there. I've experienced it. And I've been part of it. So I know how it works. Um, you know, if you want to get something done there till you leave later. I used to do my grocery shopping at night. I'm retired. So at 9 or 10 in the morning, go grocery shopping. The, the stores are mostly empty and everybody's gone to work. And the road's gotten a lot quieter. People that wanted to get to the beach have gotten to the beach. So, you know. In summary, just be nice, okay? Slow down, pay attention, because most likely no one else is. <laughs> That's the truth. Remember, we got lots of drivers on the road that have never, ever been in these areas before, and so they start out lost, so uh, just keep that in mind. I had a great day uh, yesterday. That would be Saturday. I'm recording this on Sunday. Uh, Saturday, Janelle and I, uh, we went and visited the... Um, 42nd annual garden walk. We did that because it was windy and overcast and raining every now and then. It was one of those days when there's just nothing else you can do, but we don't like sitting inside. And she had planned this out a week or so ago, had heard about it. And I said, yeah, I'd like to do that. But uh, it turned out pretty well because the, the day was just one of those days you don't really want to do anything else water-wise. So. Uh, but it was the 42nd annual garden walk. It's put on by the Garden Club of the Upper Keys. It was really fun. Um, it gives you a chance to snoop, uh, to actually go into neighborhoods and go into these really beautiful properties with these big homes along the water that you otherwise you would see from the water, but you don't have access. Well, the garden club you do, or the garden walk rather, and um, beautiful gardens, both front and back. Some interesting ideas and uh, in how to add onto our our own garden here at the house. Uh, some fantastic plants, uh, just tons of orchids. Oh gosh, I got all kinds of great ideas for orchids, for, especially for displaying orchids. And then there were some really unique things. I did wind up buying a plant at some of the locations. The, the people there would have suggestions or they might even sell plants out front. Um, but there was one gentleman there who had an utter fascination for growing red mangrove. 
not mango, not mango, mangrove, okay? The, the kind that grows along the water, you know, with the big reddish roots that sit up like like fingers stuck into the, into the mud or into the shell. He had them in all sizes. He had them in pots from starters to midsize to large to really big. Um, and he had them priced ridiculously well. His fascination was being shared is basically what he was doing. So I bought one. I bought a mangrove. It's, I guess you'd call it a tree. It's not really a bush. It's getting, t- it's about as tall as I am. So it's almost, it's a little over six feet tall. Um, and gave me instructions on how to take care of it and make it work. Honestly, years ago, I did the same exact thing. Years ago, I picked up one off of, um, uh, when I was fishing, the, the propagules, that's the cigars that you see lying in the water. That's what falls off of a mangrove. And the mangrove propagule is an entire tree all in one pot. It's very unique. It has the top of it is the leaves or the branches that will eventually pop. And the bottom, the brown part is actually the root. And what it does is it floats in the water for a while until it soaks up. It eventually tips up like a, a popping cork or a bobber. So the brown goes down, the green is up. It bobs in the surf until it bumps into uh, a, a purchase point, which is generally an oyster bar, a beach, something like that. And if it can stay in that position long enough without getting washed around, it will put roots down. And next thing you know, the little top pops off, out pop the leaves and and you start to have a baby mangrove plant. Well, that's what he was doing. He was picking up propagules. He puts them in pots. He gets them to the where they pop, and then he transfers them. And it, it's an incredible hobby. I just, I love the guy. I just thought this is the coolest thing that you know that, that you're doing this. And so I got one. I'm going to put it in the garden. Uh, I will eventually post some pictures on Facebook. Obviously, I have to do that. Uh, but anyway, I thought that was really really cool. All right, we're going to switch gears now. So uh, I'm going to cover some, well, it's going to be all over the place. So let's just get started. Outdoor clothing. This is something I just made a note about because um, it's winter right now. We can wear sleeves comfortably. Um, We can actually do multiple layers in the early morning. You know, put a t-shirt underneath and the shirt on top. But the biggest issue for me has always been cotton versus polyester or other uh, man-made materials. And there are a lot of fishing shirts out there now that are that strange, stretchy uh, polyester blend, you know, um, comfortable inside, comfortable in cool weather. But I don't think they're terribly comfortable when it's really, really hot. And the reason for that is they don't wick. Um, cotton, when you're, when you're sweating, cotton will soak up the sweat, the breeze blows on you, and you cool off. Polyester stuff, you sweat and it drips down your body and it does not get wicked off and it does not hit the cool air because the polyester keeps it from happening. And for the life of me, I can't understand where this, this came from as far as a, as a fashion for fishing. Um, it works great in the winter. It works great in cool months. I understand that a lot of people that fish north of the Florida border, like Georgia and on up, in in a good part of the year, not the dead of summer, not the, they have the same June, July, August we do. It's hot. It's just it's shorter. Um, I, I, yeah, I just can't figure it out. They're stylish. I like them. I own quite a few. I, I do. I own quite a few, but I wear them mostly in the winter. And when I go out to dinner, I'll pop one on something like that. But I'm certainly not going to wear it in August. I'm just not going to do it. I'm looking for that that cotton shirt. But let's talk SPF. Uh, that applies now to outdoor clothing. If you hadn't noticed, it happened years ago. Actually, it's just become much more prominent now. Um, SPF. What is that? Uh, sun protection factor. Uh, it 
just a measure of uh, how much solar energy UV um, is required to produce a sunburn. So in other words, um, if you got sunscreen on, it it you know it gives you sun protection. It gives you SPF, and a high rating for SPF would be like forty five. Anything above that's kind of ridiculous. That has been proven now that if you're buying sixty or seventy, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. It's all about um, it's all about protecting your skin. So, okay, let me let me give you some numbers. A sunscreen with SPF thirty will protect you from around about ninety six point seven percent. Actually, no, exactly. <laughs> I've got it written down. Of you, of you, of you, I'll say this here in just a minute. UV rays. Um, so, whereas an SPS 50 means protection from about 98% of those rays. So, you go from 96.7 to 98% by going from 30 to 50. So, you kind of see where this is going. The researchers say that anything above SPF 50 makes little difference in the terms of risk for sun damage. So, and no sunscreens offer 100% protection from UV rays. Research done back in August of 21 pretty much proved this. So, here's the deal. Um, I like to use 45. It just it's one that's readily available. Um, and I use cream. I do not use spray. I'll get into that in a minute. I have some favorite products. Uh, Neutrogena 45. I, I really like their product because it stays on. Another one that's harder to find, you can order it online, is Bullfrog. Uh, Bullfrog 50 cream. Uh, they don't make a 45. They jump from like 30 to 50, I think. Um, it's hard to find locally, though. I'll say that. But you can certainly order it on Amazon. Again, in a cream base. These are the only two that I've used during a career on the water that really work. And they last through hot, sweaty days in the sun. That's pretty much why I've just stuck with it. Uh, Neutrogena support supposedly is better for your skin. I don't know about that. I never had any trouble with bullfrog, but they're, I mean, they're both creams and they're, and they both have the, um, stuff in them that require to keep the sun down on you and not be detrimental to your skin. I'm sure there's others. There's a lot of big brand name stuff, you know, copper tone and all those people obviously make banana boat, things like that. But these are the two that I've, but I've, that I've really latched on to. It's important uh, to please understand to not use sprays if you can avoid it. Now, I know sprays got real popular with kids. It was mom and dad would spray it on the child. It's much easier to apply, but you still need to rub it in. You can't just spray the kid and let them walk away. That ain't going to work. Uh, it'll just wash off with sweat or, or water or whatever they get into. Um, but the reason I was really against the sprays to start with is they, on a boat, they're just a disaster. They make the deck slippery. So if you, the overspray that comes off of spraying yourself or your children will wind up on the deck and it leaves a, um, like an oily film and boy, it doesn't work between your foot or shoes and the deck. One way or another, you're going to slip and hurt yourself. Um, back when I was guiding, I would make people, if I saw them applying it, I'd say, oh, you got to do that on the dock, and you won't be able to reapply on the boat unless you have a beach towel or something to stand on. So that's how I combated it. It wasn't that I don't want you to protect yourself. I do. I just want you to use something else, <laughs> not a spray. And later on, the report started to come out that the spray wasn't as good as actually putting a cream on. So in other words, it, eventually the researchers said, you know what? That's right. This stuff doesn't work as well. So please be aware of that. It's an easy out is what it is. But on a boat, it's just a really bad idea. So go with creams. Um, let's see. Oh, early in the morning, put your put your lotions on early. Don't, don't wait till you get hot. Don't wait till you're on the boat or you're on the beach and then start rubbing the stuff on. Put it on in the house. Um, it has been proven that on cooler skin, it works much, much better and it lasts longer than it does. 
Light colors versus dark colors. Well, in the state of Florida, when I see some guy coming to fish and he's got blue jeans on and a black shirt, I'm thinking, man, this guy's going to die in June. He's really going to die in August. Um, Black absorbs sunlight, people. Uh, It'll just make you hotter. It does not reflect sunlight. Wear light clothes. Doesn't matter too much. I'm not worried about you in the wintertime so much when the temperatures are around 70 here. That's pleasant. Morning temperatures around 60. That's okay, especially down here in the Keys. But when you get to summer, you do not want dark clothes on. Dark shirts are just a real bad idea. Same thing with hats. You'll find that if your your favorite hat is dark blue, dark brown, dark red, probably not something you want to have on your head in the uh, summertime with the sun beating down. You're much better off with a beige color or a, or a lighter colored hat. And that, of course, is true for what you wear. So light colors, put on like think light colors in the summertime. It'll, it'll keep you a whole lot cooler. Now let's go with shoes. Yes or no? <laughs> I hate to wear shoes on a boat. We'd much rather be barefoot, but we'll put them on if fishing with guests. You never know what might wind up on the deck if you ain't in control. So boat shoes are good. Uh, if you're going to wear shoes of any kind on a boat, just make sure the soles are non-marking. They're not black. Just It's a pain in the butt to clean the marks off of a boat that are made by um, black soled shoes. So don't do that. But I like barefoot. I like feeling my way around with my feet. It's much easier for me on a boat to go barefoot. I just That's natural for me. Flip-flops can be a little cumbersome. You, you kind of trip on them. They'll pop off your... And I don't know. Flip-flops aren't the best idea on a boat. So either a boat shoe or just go barefoot. Uh, shirts, we already talked about them, uh, but I'll add this. Uh, it was kind of an afterthought. Sl- a short sleeve versus long. Do long if you can. You can always roll them up. Uh, fishing shirts even have buttons on them where you can roll them up and keep them rolled up by putting a little button um, holder thing on them to keep the sleeves up so they don't fall down. But you're best to go long just to start off with. Oh, pants. Uh, short. I like short pants, but I'll tell you what. They make long pants. Very comfortable, light-colored, lightweight summer weight, I guess you call it, pants that have zip-off legs. Uh, so there you go. You get hot, you can always zip the legs off of them, which make, turns them into shorts. Socks? No. <laughs> I just think it's socks. I think I own three pairs of socks. I swear. Really, I do. Um, therefore, when I wear some work boots, you know, climbing around in the yard in the woods, hiking, stuff like that. Nah, there's no way in the world. Um, no. And please don't put them on when you're wearing flip-flops or sandals. We know right away you ain't from around here. So hats. Yes, indeed. I mentioned that light colored hats. They make all kinds. I love the ones that have the drop leaves on the side that come down towards your neck and over your ears. Those are very handy. It's either that or get you a great big, huge floppy straw hat. Um, something that'll cover your shoulders to keep the sun off of you. Keeps you cooler that way. Basically, it's like having a big umbrella over your head. And there's a thing called a buff. If you're not aware of what a buff is, it's um, it's a um, tube of material, stretchy. Pull it down over your head and around your neck. Um, it can be pulled up over your ears, your nose, and most of your face. Everything but your sunglasses showing, especially when you got a hat on. So it fully covers your head. If you're susceptible to sunburn, if you're a redhead and you have pale skin and freckles, and you're just you've tried everything, get a buff. The buff is a really great way to hide your skin from the sun. Next up, um, boat ramp etiquette. (laughs) I wrote this in my notes because it's that time of year when we have a lot of -of out-of-town guests around who have no idea how to use a ramp. Um, I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. Basically, don't block the ramp. All right, here's the deal. You've got a boat. Here, it's on a trailer. In my case, it's kayaks. But if you own a boat, large boat, in between boats, you got it on a trailer. You take it to the local ramp. You pay your 10 bucks or your 20 bucks to launch. Um, you dress the boat away from the ramp. Like 
out in the parking lot. A lot of these places have a little pull-off place for you to pull off and to get your boat ready. Put the plug in, set your stuff inside, bring the stuff that you've got inside the truck or car and put that into the boat. Get everything ready to go. Um, and make sure your lines are in place. You've got something you can tie it up to the dock to when you put it in the water. Just get the boat prepared first. Then back it into the water, drop it off the trailer, tie it up to the dock, and go park and get the hell out of the way. Simple. Same thing's true when you're leaving. You know, drop somebody at the dock, the capable person who's good at backing trailers. That's always nice. You stay in the boat, right? Drop, or maybe they stay in the boat. If they can drive the boat better than the trailer, you get out and go get the trailer. Get the truck, wait in line, back it up, pull the boat on, hitch it to the, to the uh, uh, hitch at the front, you know, tighten it down. And then get it the heck out of the water and move out of the way. Don't stop at the top of the ramp and do it. Just don't do that. Get it away from the ramp so the next person can turn around and get in there. A lot of the ramps in the Florida Keys are single. We don't have a lot of fancy double ramps like I had on the West Coast where most people were dropping in the water there. And after the hurricane over there, I'm betting you ramp space is, is extremely limited. So, again, be kind, be courteous. Get in fast and get out fast and don't block the ramp for any reason. Have a plan. Have a plan before you get there and have the right vehicle, <laughs> if not borrow one. I have seen a number of, I'll, I'll say it's comical. People put a boat in. Okay, that's one thing. You just go down the ramp and you put the boat in. Then they take the boat out and they put it on the trailer and they suddenly can't get it out of the water because they don't have enough power in the vehicle that they're using to pull it up a ramp, especially the ramp that's wet. So your tires on the vehicle are sliding. Use the proper vehicle. Four-wheel drive is ideal. Pickup trucks are great. Just make sure you've got the capable power to pull whatever size um, boat you're pulling. I have seen a lot of people in a conventional van, you know, the, the Dodge van, for example, drop a boat in, and then they can't get the daggone thing out when they get to the ramp. <sighs> anyway, I'm not going to get into that right now, but you understand where I'm going. So plan ahead. Make sure you got the vehicle to handle it. A new thought. <laughs> Changing gears once again. I saw a post where someone was complaining about fishing rod quality. Um, as the comments flowed in, I and many others uh, learned that this person was spending less than 50 bucks for his saltwater fishing rods. And that brought on a slew of very comical comments, which I won't repeat here, but they were very funny. Um, basically, they were sort of like a uh, here's your sign sort of thing. But uh, to speak to pricing, uh, quality, how much better a custom rod can be, da -da -da, you know, I mean, okay, here's the deal. I have long recommended spending at least $100 for a saltwater fishing rod of any kind, whether, you know, brand name, St. Croix, um, whatever, Stars, whatever rod you're buying. Spend around 100 bucks. A little more is even better. Um, you get what you pay for. Uh, most rods that are manufactured at 50 bucks or less have very limited money spent on the guides that they're putting on. That's the little rings that the line runs through. Uh, the tip will come off. The handles aren't very well made. Um, the reels will slowly loosen while you're fishing, which is a real pain in the butt. Um, just, and then, of course, they don't hold up the salt very well. They're not, they're not really, really good about corrosion. And um, no matter how good you are about washing, they, they fall apart. Spend the money. Uh, you know, I've seen these posts repeatedly over the last three or four weeks now on some of the fishing channels that I follow. And it's, just, it's like, dude, just, just, you're going to go buy another one. Okay. Now you're at a hundred dollars. <laughs> if you bought two fifty dollars rods, you buy three, you're at $150. Now you're really in the place you should be for buying a fishing rod. So custom rods expect to pay in excess of two fifty. Um, 
300 is seems to be the going rate for most of the rods. Uh, they use quality parts. They also make it custom for you. So it, it's cut for you. It's sized for you. Um, and also if you've requested certain wraps or colors, all that's done. It's something that you're going to own for a very, very long time. I have some custom rods that were made for me that are getting close to 30 years old now, and they look brand new. So, you know, that's that's the deal. So I, I don't, I just, just, just stop. <laughs> Spend a little extra money. Uh, let's see, what else is on the list? Oh, found this fishing recognition thing. This is really interesting. Um, it's a program by way of an article that I saw in the new issue of Florida Sportsman Magazine. So this is the March issue that just came out. I'd heard about this before, but until reading the article, I wasn't all that interested in it. But now I am, and I've entered the program. Um, it's run by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, also known as FWC by those of us in Florida. One more time, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. How all that got FWC, I don't know, but it's much better. Uh, and it's called Catch a Florida Memory. Um, basically, it's designed to show off your catches from a long list of species, including the ones we generally don't want to catch. That's what I found fascinating about this. Um, there's, I think there's 80 fish on the list. You win a, the, you enter the grand prize area if you've caught 70 different species, which is going to include hardhead catfish and a lot of things that you don't want. It's, it's really cool. I love the list. You also have to have a picture of yourself with the fish to present when you put it in for the contest or for the, I guess it's a contest. I don't really want to call it that. It's more of a recognition kind of thing that Florida fishing is cool and it's fun. Um, but you have to have a picture of yourself. So that means you're gonna if you're gonna end it at a hard head cat, you gotta have a holding it and taking a picture, which I think is hilarious, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, and it was difficult for me. I'm a kayaker. I have now got to figure out a way to mount the camera on my kayak and, and take selfies, which I don't usually do. If I take a picture of a fish I catch, I'm usually holding it up at arm's length, you know, like, Hey, look what I got. So now I got to get myself in the, in the picture if I'm going to enter into this, uh, into this log system. And it's, and it really is very, very cool. I like the way it's set up. So go online, catch a Florida memory, go in there and check it out and see if you'd like to get involved in this. There's multiple prizes awarded along with t-shirts and all kinds of things for hitting certain marks. So large fish, like in snook, redfish, tarpon, um, uh, grand slams. They do. I think they do monthly slams too. Or it, they'll give you three species. You got to catch all these in one day. And if you prove that you did, you win something. So anyway, it's pretty cool. And I'm I was really happy to see that. It's uh, it lets everybody kind of get involved in this thing and and brag. Do a little bragging. Fishing attitude. That's next on the list. I made it. I just wrote that and underlined it on my pad. Fishing attitude. I, this stems from. Um, I don't know, man. People are, I don't know if you've noticed it or not. I guess it's an online thing, you know, Facebook, Instagram stuff. People can just get downright rude. And I'm like, you know, and they complain constantly about, I don't know, conditions or it was terrible out there or whatever. And this relates directly to fishing. Um, keep in mind you're fishing. Um, there are so many other things you could be doing that you don't want to do, like the laundry or bill paying or going to work or yard work or shoveling snow. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> wow. There's something I definitely don't want to do. Um, scraping ice off your windshield, etc. There's all these things that, that you just, you, I know you don't want to be doing. So you're out fishing and then you come back 
and you bitch and moan because the fishing sucked or you just didn't catch any or the only thing you got was little. And I see these things and I'm like, yeah, but you went fishing. No, you're out in the boat, you're on the beach, kicked back in a chair, got your favorite libation in the cooler. You know, you're just watching the, watching the world go by, you know. <laughs> I just don't get it. So I had to put that in there. I call it fishing attitude. It's like fishing's fun. It should not become a chore. It's beautiful on the water. And you're outside instead of inside. You know, it's like that, that don't worry, be happy song. You know, it just is, you just have to do it when you're going to go fishing. And I think it's exciting when you're able to get out there and, and do that kind of thing. Now, I understand this attitude thing can also be a problem with just your limited time of fishing. The, the majority of people work here in Florida. Believe it or not, that's what we do. Um, they work. I'm retired, so I can't speak. Well, I still work. I do the podcast, write books, and, and you know, I still do stuff. So, But the reality is, is that most people are doing nine to five or more, um, and uh, their time for fishing is limited, usually to Saturday or Sunday or a holiday. This happens to be a holiday weekend this weekend. It's President's Day, I guess, is coming up Monday. Um, and and they, they have this limited time to get out there. So they have to fuss with the weather and just take everything in stride that comes at them because they've, they've made this plan. I'm going to go fishing on Saturday. I'm going to go fishing on Monday, you know, because I'm off. And then the weather comes in. I get that. I understand. Um, having been a, a fishing guide for years, um, I went almost every day. And there were days that I did not want to be out there. Um, so that wrecks your fishing attitude right off the bat. You're like, yeah, don't do that. Just go with the flow. Do the best you can. If you're boating and you know of a, a, a leeward area, for those that don't know what that word means, that means that you're on the opposite side of the land that the wind's coming from. That's the leeward side. Something that'll block the wind, mangrove, islands, beach, whatever it is you can use, use it. If you have to try a new area, maybe you want to do that to improve that, that day of fishing out there. But don't get so, I don't know. There's no point in throwing a fishing rod in the water after you miss a fish. There's just no point. Speaking of spending $100 plus the reel, uh, yeah, you got to kind of, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Um, all in all, you really just need to kind of take a little back seat, just back up a little bit, take a breath, and then work hard at enjoying getting out there on the water. Um, something that I have really, really missed, you know, when we went to Fort Lauderdale, I didn't get a lot of time on the water. I was, I was busy. I was busy with beaches and did a lot of beach fishing, but I really, there wasn't a really good place to put a kayak in the water. So, um, for me, and so that was a bit of a problem, but I still, I still took it in stride. I fished when I could. And when I was fishing, I was a very, very happy camper. So like I said, don't worry, be happy, you know, be thankful that you get to do this. If you my friend in Kentucky yesterday morning, it was 27 degrees. He was not fishing. <laughs> okay? Just remember that when you're down here in Florida. Be thankful for what you got. Be thankful what you can do. Speaking of happy, I'm mostly happy to be alive. <laughs> At the end of this week on uh, the 25th of February, I will have officially survived cancer for eight years, which uh, everybody can cheer. I can hear you. Go ahead and cheer and clap. It's really great. Eight years, baby. Um I have news for you uh, that have had the good fortune to not have contracted a major disease like cancer, etc. You're very, very lucky, and I hope it never, ever happens to you. A serious illness will make you stronger, though, and it'll make you appreciate all that you have, I'll tell you that. It'll also force you to live each and every day like it might be your last. There ain't no, no joking about that. It, it, it definitely happens. 
it, it just your attitude just goes in a totally different direction, which is which is a good thing. I'm going to tell you that right now. It also awakened me to the fact that no matter how bad I had it, there's always someone else that has it much, much worse than I do. And I saw that all around me. If you go to the cancer center day in and day out, month in, you know, like I go every month, you see people around you that you go, damn, you know, that's not me. I'm lucky. I got it. I'm fighting it, but I'm better off than they are. So it, it really puts you in a whole different mindset, but it absolutely makes you... Um, Look at life a whole lot different than it did before. A lot of the little trivial things just don't matter. And you suddenly realize that uh, when you're fighting a, a really serious disease. So be positive, be nice, and keep on keeping on. Before I sign off, I want to thank people so much for the notes and the really good questions via email and text that I've been getting. Keep them coming. It really helps me with, helps me with subjects. Some of that was in the notes. So if you recognize something you sent in, and he goes, oh, Lord, he talked about fishing rods. Yeah, well, that's probably because you sent me something. Um, but I'll try to answer those things on Catch Outdoors. And uh, one more thing before I go, this is a fairly major announcement. I'm going to buy a boat. Oh, Lord. Um, yes, I looked and looked and looked. I talked about never, ever doing it, never, ever, ever doing it again. And my wife, Janelle, and I sat down together one day sitting at lunch. We were actually at the Lorelei enjoying a delicious fish fish lunch and uh, looking around. And that was our old stomping grounds. That's where we had a boat for years and we fished the Florida Bay a lot. And we looked at each other and said, you know, we live here now. This is really stupid not having a boat. And um, that's pretty much where it started. So I started looking. I got something lined up. Hopefully by next week's podcast, I'll be talking all about it with you. So we'll, we'll catch up with you then. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today. My podcast is scheduled for each and every Tuesday. If you enjoyed listening, please tell a friend, leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Catch you Outdoors is presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network. It's available on Waypoint and many of your favorite podcast providers. The Facebook page is Catch you Outdoors. Website, waypointtv.com and catchyoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy. Enjoy.